And it came out beautifully, Brenda. Thank you, Cindy. Shelby. My brethren and I wish to greet each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And welcome to all of our visitors and friends and family, loved ones. Before we walked in that door, I don't know if the brethren felt it or not, but I felt the Spirit right as we entered that first set of doors. This place has been made ready. And the Lord is here. His Spirit is here. And if we will receive, we will definitely be given that which we need this day. And so I invite you to worship. I call you to worship with these words. Coming from Genesis, starting in verse 66 of the seventh chapter. And Enoch beheld the Son of Man ascend up unto the Father, And he called unto the Lord, saying, Wilt thou not come again upon the earth? For inasmuch as thou art God, and I know thee, and thou hast sworn unto me and commanded me that I should ask in the name of thine only begotten, thou hast made me and given me a right to thy throne, and not of myself, but through thine own grace. Wherefore I ask thee if thou wilt not come again on the earth. And the Lord said unto Enoch, As I live... Even so will I come in the last days, in the days of wickedness and vengeance, to fulfill the oath which I made unto you concerning the children of Noah. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest, but before that day the heavens shall be darkened, and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth, and the heavens shall shake, and also the earth. And great tribulation shall be among the children of men, but my people will I preserve And righteousness will I send down out of heaven. And truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of mine only begotten, his resurrection from the dead, yea, and also the resurrection of all men. And this is our theme scripture for this week. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood to gather out mine own elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare, and holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. And so to gird up our loins, brothers and sisters, we talked about this in class this morning that that is to make ready to be prepared, to be ready to run, to move. Are we waiting on the call of the Lord and His movement in our life? Brothers and sisters, I would ask that you would continue to remember our brother Eric in these last few moments, that the words which will come forth might enliven your soul, might feed you, and bring glory to God. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His record.
Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you thankful for the blessing to be here, thankful to be gathered in your house. Lord, we uh, seek the message that you have placed on Eric's heart, and we just ask that you loose his tongue to spread that message, but more importantly, Lord, that we uh, open our hearts and our minds that we can hear the still small voice, that we can hear the words that we need to hear and the message that you have for us. We're so thankful to be here with your spirit and to be covered in your grace, Lord. And we look forward to the service to come. And we say these things in Jesus Christ's most heavenly name. Amen. I'll be reading out of section 101, verse 2b through g. It is wisdom in me, therefore, commandment I give unto you, that you shall organize yourselves and appoint every man his stewardship, that every man may give an account unto me of the stewardship which is appointed unto him. For it is expedient that I, the Lord, should make every man accountable as stewards over earthly blessings which I have made and prepared for my creatures. I, the Lord, stretched out the heavens and builded the earth, as a very handiwork. All things therein are mine, and it is my purpose to provide for my saints. For all things are mine, but it must needs be done in my own way. And behold, this is the way that I, the Lord, have decreed to provide for my saints, that the poor shall be exalted and the rich are made low, for the earth is full and there is enough and to spare. Yea, I prepare all things, and I give unto children of men to be agents unto themselves. Therefore, if any man shall take of the abundance which I have made, and impart not his portion according to the law of my gospel unto the poor and the needy, he shall with the wicked lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment. If you bow with me. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you... Um, only you've given us and ask that all wisdom that we might give give in part of our substance, our tithing and the surplus of those things that we not only owe to thee, but that we might be able to help others that are in need and the money here given this morning might also be well in helping those that are in need and I ask thee in thy most holy name, even Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
I apologize for the redundancy this morning, <clears throat> but I feel I should read this scripture that uh, our brother Justin read, which is found in the book of Genesis, but also in the 36th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And perhaps it's so you can listen to the words again and ponder them in your heart. And the Lord said unto Enoch, As I live, even so will I come in the last days, in the days of wickedness and vengeance, to fulfill the oath which I have made unto you concerning the children of Noah. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest. But before that day shall the heavens be darkened. And a veil of darkness shall cover the earth, and the heavens shall shake, and also the earth. And great tribulation shall be among the children of men, but my people will I preserve. And righteousness will I send down out of heaven, and truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of my only begotten, his resurrection from the dead, yea, and also the resurrection of all men. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood, to gather out my own elect from the four quarters of the earth, unto a place which I shall prepare, a holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem."
Brenda and Cindy. I assume that second one is probably one that you wrote, but maybe I'm wrong. Many of you probably know that the uh, the first um, uh, composition was some words that were given to our brother Steve in uh, preparation for our reunion, and I think they're still they're uh, still printed out there on uh, paper in the foyer. But, you know, we, uh, we live in a day which, um, as uh, the scriptures say, that many men of old looked forward to, but yet did not see. They desired that they uh, could be here. And uh, it's, um, it's a uh, powerful thing to think about uh, living in uh, prophecy, brothers and sisters, the day that we live in is uh, days that uh, have been prophesied of. We read some of those in our class uh, here this morning. And uh, we are still uh, yet to see uh, marvelous things to come. I uh, wanted to talk with you this morning about uh, covenants. And uh, you will see how this ties in with our scripture for today. But uh, this is uh, something that came to my mind here as I was uh, preparing for uh, today. And uh, we don't think of term in terms of covenants now. I think uh, it is a legal term. Uh, I know uh, in a contract that I signed with my employer, I have a restrictive covenant. So it is used. But we don't tend to think of it as we tend to think of a more common word, uh, contract a contract that we make, and I will tell you a little bit how those two are different. Um, there was a, um, the Lord, uh, he, uh, he likes to work with mankind in covenants, and he makes covenants with men, and he makes covenants with each of us. And uh, these are, are important things uh, for uh, not only our benefit, but also um, as he sees them. When uh, our original uh, parents were created, Adam and Eve, and they were placed in the Garden of Eden, uh, it says that they were given to uh, tend the garden and to uh, take care of it. And uh, they were given certain laws and commandments to follow. Now, they had, uh, it says that they had everything that they needed. They could eat of any tree there. I suppose they probably had all the trees we think of today. Uh, apples and pears and oranges and uh, and all they had to do was simply just go pick the fruit. But of the one tree, as you know, uh, they were commanded that they should not eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, there was a recourse, there was uh, repercussions if they were to partake of that tree. And of course, you know the story that they uh, were tempted. And they could not resist that temptation. And so they partook of that tree and uh, that commandment or that covenant, sorry, that covenant was broken. And uh, the repercussions of that covenant were that they uh, were driven out of the garden. 
They did not have everything uh, uh, that they, uh, they didn't just come to them. They had to work, as it says, by the sweat of their brow. And of course, uh, here we are in that same state that uh, we uh, were required to uh, work in one form or another to sustain ourselves. And you think to yourself, uh, how, could, how could they? How could Adam and Eve be given such these uh, precious blessings, promises that uh, that they, um, the Lord uh, uh, said, if uh, if they all they had to do is simply uh, uh, not eat of that one tree? How could they do this? And yet here we all are. But but they didn't know good from evil, did they? He gave them. He says he gave them intelligence, but. And he gave them their agency, but they did not, uh, they didn't have this knowledge. And so they, they uh, made this sin and they made this decision. And uh, because of it, uh, as the scriptures say, uh, uh, certain things happened. We, uh, they began to, they understood what it meant to know the bitter from the sweet. And we know that today, don't we, brothers and sisters, uh, some of us, uh, we, uh, we experience that bitter, and then we experience the sweet. And how sweet, as our uh, sister Brenda sang, how sweet it is, that fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that fruit of the uh, tree, which he calls us, uh, he uh, beckons us to come and partake of, the sweet above all that which is sweet. That's what the scriptures say. I'd like to taste of that fruit. And he beckons us. And yet, uh, so here we are with the same, uh, the same decision, if you will, like Adam and Eve. It's very simple. You follow the pathway, a straight and narrow path. You hang on to the rod of iron and you'll be brought to that tree. To partake of that fruit. And he makes these precious and, and loving promises to us. As he made even to our first parents. And what do we do? Do we follow after it? Do we get there? And do, Does the pride of the world uh, weigh down on us and affect our decision? That we turn and we're ashamed Ashamed of that fruit. And this is what he calls us to, brothers and sisters. He calls us to partake of that fruit. And so, as I said, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about covenants. And the Lord makes covenants. These are, these are uh, uh, different than contracts, but these are promises. But there are repercussions. There are consequences of not following that contract. And of course, many, if not all of you, are here this morning because you have made a covenant with our Heavenly Father. You made a covenant in the waters of baptism. And you know, in a contract, we contract, if you, uh, a contract is meant to uh, make sure that both parties fulfill their end of that bargain. Uh, I want I want a house. I want to purchase a house for my family, and so I sign a contract with a bank 
uh, and and as uh, their end of the deal is they give me the money so I can purchase the house, and mine is that I pay it back to them slowly with interest. And uh, so a contract, a contract is uh, I will give you this in exchange for this. You give me this, I will give you this. It's not a, it's not necessarily a lifelong thing, although maybe some of you who signed contracts for your house, it seems like a lifelong thing. I think I have two years and I'll finally have my house paid off. We'll have a party, I think, for that. But it, there's an end to it, isn't there? There's an end to it. And, um, but it's about things. I will give you this thing in, in return for that thing. I will give you X for Y. About things, about temporal things. But a covenant, a covenant is different. A covenant is a relationship. It's a relationship between two parties. And, and there is a binding together of those parties, a spiritual thing in which those parties are tied together and their lives are intertwined if they will allow it, if they keep their end of that covenant, that uh, the thing that they pledge to do, the thing that we pledge to do in the waters of baptism, the thing that we do uh, here once a month as we come and we remember that covenant and we say those prayers and part of those prayers is that we, again, make that pledge in our hearts of what it, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, of what it means to be one of the Lord's children, and of what He will do for us. You know, there are rights and privileges in a covenant. And we, uh, unfortunately, we live in a day in which uh, people, they, uh, they want the rights and privileges but they don't want to make the commitment, do they? You know, the, we think, I just think of marriage and everything that marriage has been twisted and altered to become in this day to where it is nothing representative of what it used to be. And, you know, marriage is a sacred vow. You know, we don't enter into it lightly. There are people who do. A sacred vow that you make for your life. So it's a good example of a covenant, the covenant of marriage between those two individuals that they, uh, that they are making. And as I said, that there are, there are certain rights and there are certain privileges to that covenant. And I won't exhaust what those things are in, in a marriage, uh, but uh, people want the, people want the uh, rights and the privileges, but they don't want to make the commitment. And our Lord made... Other covenants with um, people, with men throughout history, uh, Abraham, because of Abraham and his faith, his willingness to offer even his only son as a sacrifice, because of his faith that Abraham, he made a covenant with him that his uh, seed, his posterity would be as the sand of the sea. And we know that's the case now. You, they're, they're almost numberless. And he made a covenant with David, King David, because of his faith and because David sought to honor him and because David wanted to, to build a temple for him. And he, uh, 
he made covenants with David. And one of those covenants was that out of his seed would come the deliverer, the Messiah. And we know that Jesus Christ was born of the seed of David. And an interesting thing to look at, though, is that with David, we know that that he made mistakes. He sinned. He followed uh, his own will uh, and various different times. And the Lord was not pleased with that. And yet the Lord honored that covenant. Something to think about. Our Lord and his mercy and his, uh, his love towards us, how he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves, in spite of our sins and our, our mistakes, our promises that we don't keep. I can think of all kinds of promises that I have not kept. And yet, the Lord God... He wants to keep that covenant. He wants us to live with Him in eternity. That is the gift. That is His part of that covenant. That we can come and one day reside with Him, with Him and His Son and with the Holy Ghost in celestial glory for eternity. If we follow that pathway and hang on to the rod. And so part of that covenant is, is, being, is being faithful. And I think, of course, about marriage as well as how we need to be faithful. And, you know, there's some rough times. There's things in marriage that are difficult. People lose children. That causes a lot of difficulty. Money. We could go on. Some of you have been through that. Are we faithful in those times, those hard times, as well as the good times? And you know, I, uh, marriage is the best example. Uh, as I said, covenants are not contracts. It's not, I'll give you this, X, for you giving me Y. I think about the things I do at home, my jobs. I take out the trash on Tuesday. I... Um, Mow the lawn on Monday. I uh, fix things that are broken. That's uh, sometimes a challenge, especially the computer. It seems like there's always something wrong there. And do I do those things because of what I get in return? She, she packs my lunch in the morning. Seems like there's a discrepancy there between what I do and what she does. No, she does more than that. She's not here today, so I can, I can say things if she doesn't listen to this. But, but you don't do it because of what you get, do you, in marriage? It's, it's, you don't do it because, oh, I'm going to get paid back in this and this. It's because of love. At least it's supposed to be. The bond between that, that man and that woman. That they twain shall be one flesh. That means they think alike. My wife and I think alike on a lot of things. We're not perfect. 
She knows the things that I differ on. I know things she differs on. But, but when there's a decision, when there's something that comes up and I know this is what she's going to say. That's what that means. And with our Heavenly Father, brothers and sisters, when we make that covenant with Him, it is a living relationship that we have with Him. It's not just a contract, a promise, I'm signing here, I'll do... I'll keep the commandments and I get eternal life. That's not how it works. It's different. And it has to it has to grow. We have to grow in the knowledge of our heavenly Father and of a son Jesus Christ. We have to start to understand it is how he thinks, what it is that he does so that when there is a decision in our life or decision that we need to make that we know this is the decision that my Heavenly Father would make. Now, whether or not we do it or not is another thing. But that's the type of relationship that He's wanting to have with us, that we walk with Him, that we talk with Him. That we twain might be one flesh, that we might be one. That is what He desires. And we have to be one. He tells us that if we're not one, then you're not mine. So as I said, with a covenant, there are certain rights and privileges. We think of baptism. And of course, the kids, as soon as they have that first baptism, what is it they get to do? They get to take communion. A right and a privilege to, to, take, to participate in that ordinance. Which yet is another thing that we tend to just think of as, oh, it's another thing we do once a month. When it shouldn't be. When it should be of a sacred act that we make before God, that it should be, it should be new to us every month. The spirit that we feel there, the things that are in our mind, the decisions that we make. But they did get to take that communion. You know, when I was eight years old, went to Enikill, and with the other boys who were in the pre-baptismal class, we were talking, and this shows you I was an eight-year-old boy, say, well, uh, uh, one of the boys said, well, my dad's a deacon, and he says that they just throw those plastic cups out, that we could have them. And so we thought, wow, that's great. We could, we could get these little plastic cups. I don't know what I was going to do with them, but for some reason I wanted that. And so here communion came, very first communion. We were baptized, and they passed the tray, and the tray came down, and I took my cup, and I drank the wine, and I held on to it. And the, the server, you could, he was just kind of looking at me, waiting and waiting. <laughs> And so I finally put it back, you know, he just gave me that look. That's not really what the, the other boy had meant, of course. My dad gave me some. He was a deacon as well. He gave me some of those cups. In fact, I think I still maybe even have them at the house in some mementos box. But there are rights and privileges, and one of those is communion. Another is that we have fellowship with other believers, we don't really think of that as being a right, but, but it is. We have fellowship. 
But most importantly, we have His Spirit. We, as I said in the prayers that we make during that ordinance, that we might have His Spirit to be with us. What a privilege it is, saints, to have the Spirit of God. You look out in the world and... uh, And I think to myself, how, how can people survive in this world that's, that's just full of darkness? There's no light. They stumble and they grope in the night. They're left to themselves. And I think how blessed it is to have that spirit, brothers and sisters, that spirit that Spirit of truth, the light of God that can uh, lighten our way. I've, I've gotten so used to it that, and, and I don't say this braggingly, but if there's a decision, in, and it may be something as simple as I get up in the morning, what do I do first? I've got a list of things. But you pray about it. You ask the Lord, you ask for His enlightenment and direction because you know You know through experience that if you follow His direction, if you listen to that still small voice and it tells you to do this, that there will be blessing. You've learned that. Like I said, I'm not being boasting, but I don't know what I would do. I'd be left to myself. I'd have to make my own decisions. And that's what we see out in society, don't we? The decisions of men. Sometimes they're good intentions, maybe even good decisions sometimes. A lot of times they're not. What would we do, brothers and sisters, without the Spirit of Jesus Christ to lighten our pathway? And the priesthood, which the Doctrine and Covenants says every man who takes this oath and covenant. I was, I was getting my sermon together and I thought, well, does it say priesthood is a covenant? And no sooner had I turned a page and read out of the Doctrine and Covenants and there it was. An oath and a covenant. That we make this oath and a covenant with our Heavenly Father, that there are certain rights and privileges. And you know, when I was, uh, when I was a priest, I was a priest before I was elder, and I remember when I was first ordained, it just it seemed like there was so much that could be done. There's so much to do. People to tell about the gospel, People to, to go and, and visit them in their homes. I mean, it just it seemed overwhelming. I remember talking to another priesthood member before I was ordained about how it just seemed overwhelming, the things that, that were on my plate, if you will. And as, as a member, as a priest, I, I did those things. I, uh, I preached and I baptized and I served communion. And I went in people's homes. You know, the things that are in the Scriptures. 
that are the duties of a priest. And after a while, I, I began to feel that I had somehow realized or understood all of the duties of a priest. And I don't know if that was right, but that was how my mind was thinking that I'd, I've accomplished all this. I've done this. I've checked the boxes off. I'm still doing it, trying to do it. And then I was ordained an elder. And you know, the gifts of the Melchizedek priesthood are much different than the gifts of the Aaronic priesthood. Not that an Aaronic priest or deacon cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesy or perhaps do miracles. The Lord can really use anyone. He doesn't even, they don't have to be a priesthood member. Could be a member, they could be, could even be an enemy, and he can use them. He's able to do that. But you read about some of these gifts that have occurred in the lives of men of the Melchizedek priesthood. And of course, we talked this morning a little bit about some of those, but of course, they administer and the sick are sometimes healed. We wish they were healed every time. But to move mountains, to divide seas, to defy the armies of their enemies, to make rivers run backwards, to stop the mouths of lions. It's unlimited. That's how I felt. That's still how I feel. Melchizedek priesthood. As an elder, I've I've never felt as I did with being a priest. And this priesthood, this Melchizedek priesthood, is of great importance. And, and I don't think we sometimes understand or, or contemplate the importance of this priesthood. The importance not only to us in the church, but the importance to the world. The Lord restored this priesthood to the world in 1830 because he had to. He had to restore that priesthood. And we are told in the Doctrine and Covenants why. And he restored that priesthood and he restored the ordinances, baptism and the laying on of hands and communion and ordination, and all of these things were had been taken from the earth. They were gone. We had the precepts of men, men's uh, ideas of what it meant to be a servant of God, of, of what it is that they thought. But they were the ideas and the creations of men. And so he had to restore these because in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinance thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. 
And of course, that's what our Heavenly Father, that's His ultimate objective, isn't it? To bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. To be with Him in celestial glory. To see His face and live. To be back in His presence as we once were. That's what He desires. It's, it, his heart aches because we don't keep the commandments. Every time we, we go astray, every time someone leaves the church, every time someone loses their faith or their belief in this church, perhaps in other churches. So he restored this priesthood to the earth and the ordinances that this might take place. And this, this scripture that uh, is our scripture for today in which the Lord spoke with Enoch and he talked with him face to face and he showed him all of the things that would come to pass with time. The coming of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, even down to the last days, to the millennium, even until the end of the earth. And he made a covenant with Enoch, didn't he? And we read about that in the book of Genesis. But he made this covenant with Enoch that when your posterity looks upward, then Zion will look downward and will come down again and there will be righteousness on the earth again for a thousand years. And he said to him, as as I read, that righteousness and truth will come forth. Righteousness will I send down out of heaven, and truth will I send forth out of the earth. Well, you don't have to think very long to know what he's talking about there. The truth from the earth. That's the Book of Mormon. It's the fullness of the gospel. It's his word and clarity and in uh, uh, truth that, that we can understand and know the ordinances and know his doctrine. His true doctrine, what it is, not the ideas of men, not the practices of men and, or their ordinances, but the doctrine of the Father and the doctrine of the Son. And righteousness from heaven is, is this thing that I've been talking about here. It's the authority, the authority of the priesthood and the ordinances. And he sends these forth and he caused them that they will sweep the earth as a flood to gather out the elect. We are still to see that, brothers and sisters, that day. He's gathering people now, but we are still to see there are things to come. And so he made this covenant with Enoch, and this was part of that covenant, and he told him of things to come. That when his posterity, which is us, We are his posterity. That when we look upward. And you know, there's a lot of things that uh, your eye can be on these days, isn't there? We were talking about chickens. We watched a, a documentary about people who breed chickens and chicken people. That's what called their whole life. 
is about those chickens. Everything from the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to bed and sometimes through the night, everything that they do. And we were reading this morning in the Book of Mormon where it was talking about the Gentiles and how and the scripture that caught my eye was that he will come and I will destroy all their idols. We have a lot of things that our eyes can be on, but he wants us to look upward. Look upward and, and to sanctify our lives. And when he has a remnant here on earth who that is their sole, that is their um, primary purpose. The sole thing that they desire is to look upward to the Heavenly Father and to have their life in line with His truth and to do His will. When thy posterity will look upward, then Zion will look downward. To a righteous people, to a people who are ready to receive the Savior Jesus Christ and the holy city, That's us, brothers and sisters. We are His posterity. Are you looking upward? You know, I like to I like to contemplate different things, and sometimes I share those. These are Eric's opinions. But I like to think that I've contemplated and I've spoken with the Lord about them. But you know, one of those things is uh, why why. Why am I here? I mean, not why am I here on earth, but why, why am I here in this time and in this day? And you think about how the Lord has such, um, he has orchestrated history and life. He made it possible that, that uh, Moses became, uh, was able to lead the children of Israel. That he was born in just that exact time, at just that exact moment. And that he was put in that, that small boat, if you will, and there in the Nile, and he was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. He orchestrated that. It was his design that Moses would rise up and that he would be a deliverer there for Israel. And we think about uh, we think about the Savior and how he was his even even his very lineage of who his father, grandfather, great grandfather, that's listed in the book of Matthew, his very lineage of where he came from for centuries had been orchestrated and designed. For him to come forth in that very time. And so if the Lord cares this much about some of these individuals. And we could go on, on and on throughout the scriptures of, of how things just perfectly fit into place. And how they, how they came to pass. It's not certainly beyond my thinking that he hasn't done that in your life. And in my life. That we're here for a certain purpose. A God-given purpose. Maybe it's because we 
We'd remain faithful? I don't know. I'm trying to. Maybe it's because we could endure. Sometimes I think if, if I had lived in this time or this time, you know what, how life might have been different. Maybe one day we'll understand that, saints, but not certainly without reason in our Lord's grand design that he has selected us for this very day. For this very hour. He wants you to keep that covenant. Something inside of you, your, your personality or some way you think, maybe your lineage. There is a reason that you were put here in this day and this hour. To be that posterity. We'll understand that something, someday, I believe. We'll all look back and we'll be just amazed at how it was all designed and put together. At least I think that's what we will. We will. It'll take us years just to understand it. And so I wanted to share with you here as we finish, and I don't mean to pardon me to go over, but I feel these are important. There's some things that came to my mind in regard to our covenant, brothers and sisters. The covenant that we made in the waters of baptism. And I wanted to share with you just four quick things. And one of those it was that uh, we don't take it lightly. This isn't just some meager gift, uh, uh, you'll uh, live a long life, of course that wouldn't be a meager gift, or you'll be happy, or, or even that your, His Spirit will be with us, but it's eternal life. We need to hold it in reverence, this, this gift, this promise that our Heavenly Father has given us, and that we need to approach Secondly, approach our duty, or not to approach, I'm sorry, our duty begrudgingly. You know, when I was a kid, that's how I saw the Gospels. I saw it as, thou shalt not. It was a list. Thou shalt not. Can't do this. Can't do this. Anybody of you uh, look at it that way? I think we tend to. Even as adults, we tend to look at it that way. But, you know, he doesn't want us to go through life viewing our, um, our commitment, our service to him as exclusions. I can't do this. I, I can't drink alcohol. I can't go watch this R-rated movie. I can't just do whatever it is that I want. But he wants us to have life more abundantly. And how do we do that? Well, as I said, it's, it's in our relationship that we make with him. That, that thing that bonds us together as we seek him out. We seek him out that we can understand what it is that he's thinking. 
And you know, in some of those realization saints that in regard to his commandments, I have come to see that it's not a thou shalt not, but it's the opposite, is that if you live your life and you do this this thing, if you're married to a woman, one person, and you're faithful to her, here is your blessings. If you don't steal from someone, we can turn that around. If, you're, if you give to people, you give of the wealth that the Lord has given to you. And you don't take when they've turned their eye away, even if it's legal and it's right. That you'll have a peace in your conscience. His spirit will reside in you. And we could go on and on through the commandments. And so he wants us to have life more abundantly. And that abundance is through his spirit and through that fellowship that we can have with him. And even in our trials, even in our losses, when someone passes away and goes to the other side, he wants us. Even in those times, he wants us to see the joy in life. To realize that there is joy that that person has entered into the presence of their Heavenly Father. And the happiness that they feel. He wants us to have joy, brothers and sisters. Joy in our heart. And so we can't do it begrudgingly. We, 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 we do it because we love, love Him. We do it because it's the right thing. We do it because we know that if we do it, we will be blessed. We will have His Spirit with us. It will win souls over. People will see our actions. They li- their lives will change. That's really what Zion's about. It's about a righteous people and that righteousness extending outward until it fills the whole earth. And we can't be complacent or lax with our covenant. It's not a stagnant thing. It's kind of like a marriage. You, you know, in marriage, you, there are certain things that you understand after you've been married for a year, isn't there? And then you understand more after you've been married for 10 years, isn't there? Or 20 or 30 I haven't quite gotten there. And you can only understand those things by, by living that life with that person through all of that time period, through going through the ups and downs and making decisions and sometimes getting angry with them and sometimes they're angry with you. And then you make up and you tell them you're sorry. And that's how it is with our Heavenly Father, brothers and sisters. This relationship, this covenant, is meant to be one that grows. It transforms us. We learn about the Heavenly Father. We begin to think like Him. We know the decision, the answer that He will give when there's a question. 
And so not with complacency. We don't just sit back and, oh, I've been baptized. That's it. We know that that is not the case. And lastly here is that we have love. Because that's really the only way that this covenant can be fulfilled. Love on our end, love for our Heavenly Father and His Son, for His Gospel, for the truth, for righteousness, and His love for us. And of course, we wouldn't be here if He didn't love us, would we? He's drawn us out of the world that we might be different, that we might be His, His people, that we might look upward. And so we have to have this love, the love of Jesus Christ within our hearts. It has to, it has to dwell in us. I know that I don't have it. There's times that I feel it. There's times in my life when there is an opportunity to minister in someone's life. And the love of Jesus Christ comes down. And you appreciate something about that person, about what it is they're going through and what it is that they need and and how it is that you can help them, the words you can say to them. You know, the Lord brings people. He allows them their path to cross our path in life. At that exact moment, if you are attuned to the Spirit, if you have that love of Jesus Christ, if you desire it in your heart, and you pray to Him, at that exact moment, that person crosses your pathway and you can minister to them. You can share with them the love of Jesus Christ. And of course... We have to be attuned to that. So, I apologize for going over. But I hope all of you are faithful to your covenant. Not just because you're going to get eternal life. Not because of what He's going to give you. It's because you know Him. And you love His works. And you look upward. Don't you, brothers and sisters? I pray that we will all look upward and we will see that city in our day and time.
the most kind and loving, gracious Heavenly Father. Once again, Father, we approach you in the name of your Son, even that Jesus Christ, that great one, Father, that has walked the path alone and, Father, has made the way straight for us that we might have opportunity in the, in the future to come back, Father, and to dwell in your kingdom. So, Father, we thank you for him, and we thank you for the gift that he gives us. And, Father, we're grateful this morning for the words of our brothers. We uh, can give thought and understanding to the difference of uh, what it means to make a covenant with you and what it means to sign a contract with the world. And we're grateful for that. And, Father, we would pray that... Uh, you might bless this congregation, Father, you might uh, watch over them and protect them. Father, we look forward to that time this evening that we come back and we uh, once again uh, have opportunity to hear your word as it uh, is preached from this pulpit. So, Father, we pray now your watch, carry protection as we make our way home, Father, and we ask a benediction upon this service. It's in Christ's name, Father, we request it. Amen. Mm-hmm.